Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my top patrons, Chris Balga, Michael Cross, and Philip Barker. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you sign up, you do get bonus episodes of weekly roundups and also coverage on The Mandalorian. So we just finished season one, and we're about to start covering season two next week. So jump on there if you want to hear that. Uh, as always, guys, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I've got a couple familiar voices on the podcast. I have Sam and Sarah this week. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, <laughs> it's great to be back. Thank you so much for having us. It's always a pleasure to to sit down and chat. Yeah. Yes. And we're still, you know, Christmas was yesterday as of this recording. Or, yeah, yesterday. Man, this week has been so confusing. Uh, but uh, we are still in the celebrating spirit, so we are still going to talk about a Christmas movie this week. Um, and my guests always pick the movie, so what what movie did y'all choose to talk about uh, this week? Sarah, take it away. A Christmas story. Yes. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a the 1983 classic, actually the year I was born. Um, <laughs> I'm old. Um, and so <laughs> so this this is like one of my favorite movies. I'm so glad that y'all picked this. I can't believe we hadn't covered it yet, but yeah. also glad that you guys picked it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of my favorites. Like I'm I'm not going to lie to you. There's at least two leg lamps and a bunny suit somewhere in this house. Yes. <laughs> and they're year round. <laughs> <laughs> and I breeze past this a little bit, but Sam and Sarah, in case people haven't heard you on the podcast before, why don't y'all introduce yourselves real quick too? Go ahead, Sam. Um, sure. Um, I'm Sam. Um, you might have heard me before on the Rocky Horror Picture Show podcast, on the Rio Bravo podcast, and uh, most recently on the Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Yes. So and <laughs> I I love all things movies and I love to sit down and chit chat with them. And I'm so glad that um, that we have the opportunity to do that. And you guys uh, like to tune in and enjoy it with us. My name is Sarah. Um, if you can't tell, Sam and I are roommates. So we tend to talk about a lot of the same stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you probably heard me on the Breakfast at Tiffany's podcast and with Sam on the Tu Wong Fu podcast. 
Yes, so glad to have y'all back. And as I said, this movie is a classic. I will say, if you guys are still listening, uh, this this is we're gonna go into spoiler territory. I feel like a lot of people have seen this by now, but uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen this before, I do recommend you know pausing, watching this, and then coming back. And uh, if you're back, uh, here is the synopsis. Based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard, this beloved holiday movie follows the wintry exploits of youngster Ralphie Parker, who spends most of his time dodging a bully and dreaming of his ideal Christmas gift, a Red Air, uh, Red Rider air rifle. <laughs> ruh, ruh, ruh. Uh, <laughs> frequently at odds with his cranky dad, but comforted by his doting mother, Ralphie struggles to make it to Christmas Day with his glasses and his hopes intact. <laughs> um... This this movie is so funny. It's it's like I, I always forget how funny it is when I revisit it. But um, when when did y'all first see this one? I I cannot pinpoint the exact moment I first <laughs> saw it. I was I was born in '86, so this movie has was probably already just the you know annual holiday watch by the time I remember watching holiday movies. So I, I've just always seen this movie. It's always been a part of my holiday tradition. Yeah. Kind of same, you know, it, whatever, I can't remember what exactly what film company it was to begin with, but it was sold out to um, Turner media. That's what it was called back in the day. And they didn't know what to do with it really. Cause even though the film was a moderate success, it was just kind of in the package deal. And so that's when TBS and TNT decided to start streaming it on oh. Christmas. And so that's been like the holiday tradition. So I can't really say, oh, I went to the theater and saw it and this mm -hmm. whole thing. It's just kind of been a collective conscious Christmas. Yeah. It's it's Christmas and it's on TBS. And that's what you did is you put it on TBS and you watched a Christmas story and it just kind of always was there well, uh, as, as far, as far as like my Christmas remembrance yeah. of it and how I like to, to think back on it. So it was originally MGM and then Turner broadcasting about it and TNT would be the one that would air it annually. But then TNT when they decided to be more drama TNT they they decided to stop airing it so that was probably around like the early oh. 2000s then TBS picked it up because they have their slogan more funny oh, and then okay. when that TNT realized they made a mistake even though they're all even though they're all the same company they were like well we want to air it again <laughs> <laughs> so they they both now air it for 24 hours straight. One just does it an hour later. <laughs> wow. That's that's a journey right there. Really I, I think I'm the same as you guys. Yeah. I think, I think I'm in the same boat of like, I don't remember when exactly I first saw this. I've just always seen it. And I think actually, as I got older, I'm surprised that it came out in 83. I think I thought it was older than that. But the yeah. humor does feel very 80s like even though it takes place in the 40s mm -hmm. um which again is such a weird thing to think about like that this came out in the 80s and the 40s had only happened 40 years previous to right. it right uh, always weird to think about that when you watch <laughs> movies that are a little bit older you're like oh man that that time period was not that long ago at that point right um yeah but and and oh you know i should save this because i'm like we're gonna get into this i think later but 
one of the things I like about this movie is like it does take place kind of 1939-1940, but I feel like it's really different from a lot of 40s movies or movies that talk about a specific time period like that because I felt like it was more real. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly like Norman Rockwell or anything. Like it's small town Christmas, oh, yeah. but there's some edge to it and I kind of like that because I feel like the 40s gets so romanticized that I don't know, mm-hmm. it just it's it's never really portrayed this way. Well, I, th- I think that's all yeah. part of the text, and that's what Gene Shepard wanted with the yeah. story. Because he's, from what I could tell, he's notorious like anti-sentimentalism and things like that. Even though, <laughs> even though his work has done the opposite, I think. <laughs> I, I think you're right because now it's like a big nostalgia bomb for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I see what you're saying though about you know he's not romanticizing his childhood not here with this story no it's not romanticizing his childhood schwartz flicks any of them. right 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 but i think that's what makes it so so like you said real like it's so mm-hmm. set in reality is that it's it's not glossy it's not shiny it's not romanticized it's it's it feels like you are following this kid around and truly getting a glimpse of his everyday life that's not you know i, I hate to, to make it sound like oh this isn't important but it's 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 like an everyday thing that you can appreciate from your childhood of that moment of like you knew you wanted that one christmas gift and you were trying to figure out a way how you were going to get it and instead of it being this kind of bright shiny thing it kind of shows you the reality of well this is what happens Maybe if that wish doesn't come true, if you don't get what you want, because that's kind of what you think is going to happen in the film is that Ralphie has tried all these different ways to get this Red Ryder BB gun. And then, you know, he thinks there at first that he is disappointed. He thinks he hasn't gotten his wish. He hasn't gotten it. And that, you know, maybe there isn't a Santa Claus because I told Santa that I wanted this but then you know good old Saint Nick does come through for him there in the end but there's something kind of appealing to that because it, it resonates with everybody so it, it, it kind of gives you that different feel a different break to that to that that movie that's not shiny and romanticized and nostalgic and all of those things absolutely And I think next, I kind of want to touch on a couple of quick facts. And the first one that I have is that Ralphie tells three grownups, to to your point, Sam, uh, his mother, his teacher, and Santa, that he wants that Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. And they all turn him down. However, the one person he never thought to ask, his father is actually the one that gets him the gift. And that's kind of, there's like a through line with the father, I think, in this movie. And I think that's really sweet that that, you know, he's the one that ends up getting him that gift. We were we were actually, as we were winding down our 24-hour watching experience last night, I was telling Sam, I was like, you know what I bet? Like, mom probably complained to dad that Ralph even thought about wanting that BB gun. <laughs> and he was yes. just like, I'm going to get him that gun. Um, I think Nick told me a story one time that he wanted a rifle as a kid and his great grandparents bought him one much to the upset of his mother, his grandmother, you know, everybody was like, Nick's going to hurt himself. He shouldn't be allowed to have one. And sure enough, he forgot to finish like cocking it one time and it slammed on his finger and like almost broke his finger. 
And they were like, okay, and like took it away from him. <laughs> so I think this story is very relatable <laughs> for little boys, I guess. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I had was that the film was released just before Thanksgiving and actually became a, a bit of a surprise hit. So by the time Christmas rolled around, the movie had p- been pulled from theaters because it had already been played out. Uh, after complaints were lodged at theater owners in the studio, the film played on select screens until after the first of the year in 1984. Mm-hmm. So it like stretched out the release of that film, essentially. <laughs> But it makes a lot of sense. It's it's very entertaining. <laughs> and and to, going back to like how funny it is, like that's like the jokes. Even if it, like it wasn't like a nostalgia kind of funny, like the jokes land every year. And they do. How like they're they're just so little. Like even like a one off phrase. Like I it it, it like. <laughs> It just tickled me more this year than it had other years. But when, like, Ralphie's talking about how everyone's, like, against him getting the gun, they're like, what do they have against Red Ryder and his peacemaker? And I'm just like, <laughs> the thought of calling a gun a peacemaker cracked me up to no end this year. <laughs> I just randomly started laughing to myself about the decoder ring uh, when I was reading through, like, the, the trivia, that part where it's like, drink... <laughs> What does it say? Like, be sure to drink Ovaltine or something like that. Your Ovaltine. (laughs) Yeah, and then when he says it out loud to himself and he's so irritated. And it's so funny because it's like, I remember doing that as a kid. I don't know if kids do that anymore, but like decoding a secret quote unquote message and then you get it. It's just an ad. He's like, this is an ad. (laughs) It's like such a, such a, uh, you know, disappointing thing that happens to every kid at some point. But uh, you're, you're so right. There's just so many little things like that that aren't even like the big jokes in the film, but just make me laugh. Oh, another one of my favorites that kind of makes me grin. It's not necessarily like hilarious, but that same scene when he gets done, drink your Ovaltine, a crummy commercial and he's so defeated. He doesn't push the hamper back. He just like gets up and like opens the door and Randy's on the other side of the door, like about to bust because the whole scene is the mom's yelling like, Randy has to go to the bathroom, get out of the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and then Randy's like on the other side of the door, still like patiently waiting. And Peter Billingsley finally like, drags the door open and walks out as randy's like scurrying in like oh my god i'm about to pee my pants and that is (laughs) that little nugget of randy just like scurrying so fast to get to the toilet while while ralphie's just like dragging out of the bathroom like i don't even think randy closes door the door he's just like i have to pee so bad i can't stand it and there's just something so funny about that (laughs) in that moment poor little randy (laughs) it's also kind of edgy right yeah the level that they like like the humor is kind of go ahead sorry (laughs) (laughs) the level that they kind of just like crap on randy is like classic it like akins to you know like everyone on parks and rick just like beating up jerry verbally like randy's the (laughs) jerry of a christmas story a little bit like definitely at at the end where they're like sitting around (laughs) presents everywhere paper everywhere the dad's like well who's gonna clean up all this paper and i was like i don't know i don't want to do it like well randy did it last year well he can do it again (laughs) (laughs) poor randy (laughs) it also speaks to a time of having one bathroom in your house oh yes yeah (laughs) um 
there's so many good scenes and the cast too is really good i mean peter billings billingsley i'm having the hardest time saying his name today peter billingsley (laughs) um does such a good job as ralphie um and then the whole movie doesn't work without such a funny kid right (laughs) oh oh for sure yeah he's so he's so perfect like i don't know where they could have found a better kid (laughs) to to be because he's just he's got that perfect little round face those eyes are so bright they're so big and he's just so funny without having to be funny like he's dry witty for a 12 year old kid because like how is this kid so funny but he's he's so he's so perfect even randy the kid that plays the kid brother i don't know how old that actor is but even he's great of just that when he's standing there screaming at the mother that he can't put his (laughs) arms down and she covers his mouth and he just keeps screaming right through it's like I don't know if I could keep it together and I'm 36 years old and an actor and I would have cracked up laughing every single take. So good for you, kid. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) So good. Um, I guess we've kind of segued into this. Oh, well, I guess we'll talk about the director really quick too. So this was directed by Bob Clark Mm -hmm. who had previously directed black Christmas, another Christmas, uh, you know, a gem. And he also did Porky's. And I don't think he would have ironically directed Porky's if not for this movie. So just interesting through line there. Oh, yeah. Like, well, okay. Little about me. I love the movie Porky's because I was a weird kid who shouldn't have been watching Porky's, but I did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And you could like you you there's there's weird similarities like you can see like his style as a director on that and this like like even though this is a family-friendly holiday movie it is sexed up in some weird parts it is it is (laughs) (laughs) and i think that does speak perfectly to the age of the character of the character too because he's 12 so he's like just now becoming aware of certain things that are happening around him and the uh the narrator is the one telling us the story, an older version of him. So he's got like those two different layers to look at it through. It just somehow makes all those scenes just like so much funnier, so much more awkward. Um, <laughs> and yeah, in a family Christmas movie, it's just great. <laughs> yeah, the electric sex. <laughs> That's what he calls them. Like lamp. Oh yeah. Electric sex. That lamp. That uh, okay. We're gonna get to that. But um, yeah, let's let's let's. Pick out a few favorite scenes. Uh, why don't you all pick a couple scenes that you want to dive into? I know my I know my favorite scene. I know it. I know it. Oh my god, I love it so much. Okay, my favorite scene is is the first time we see Scott Farkas. It's the first time we see him, and so <laughs> Randy and Ralphie and Gil and Schwartz—they're all walking, talking about whatever, and then all of a sudden they hear laughter on the other side of the fence and everybody freezes and they turn and you wait because the, the, you know, the Bob Clark showing you the fence with the hole in the fence with the laughter. And so you kind of have this moment of suspense of what's behind it. And then Scott Farkas in, you know, he pops his head through the, through the, the fence and Ralphie, Oh no, 
Scut Farkas. And like this dialogue, <laughs> and my favorite part about it is the descriptor of Scut Farkas. It, it says Scut Farkas staring out at us with his yellow eyes. He had yellow eyes, so help me God, yellow eyes. <laughs> and for some reason, that descriptor of that kid is the funniest thing ever. And that scene, because then that's when Randy gets pushed down and Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. <laughs> Those are my favorite lines of the whole film of Randy screaming, writhing on the ground. And I can't remember which friend it is gets snatched and bullied and, and beat up on. But it's it's my favorite scene is is when we meet Scut Farkas and Randy gets pushed to the ground and he lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. <laughs> I love great it. Great. That's my visual and description. <laughs> Uh, my my favorite scene probably it doesn't have all of the best lines but it's it's gotta be the tongue on the flagpole. <laughs> Dang yes. I mean, <laughs> like, go on, smartass, and do it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. such a great scene. I mean, it just like is burned into your memory as a kid too. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's like just such a. I don't know. It just, it, you you felt like watching that, well, that could have easily happened to me because I'm a dumb kid and I probably would do that. Or, <laughs> or at or least that's my thought watching it. You were me and my brothers like, well, does it actually, like when we were younger, like, will it actually stick? And my mom goes, well, stick your, oh. go stick your tongue on something. I go see, like we'd put it like our tongue on an ice cube and then the ice cube would hang off our tongue. We're like, oh. I was like, yeah, imagine if it was metal. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> Horrifying. Yeah. It's that and also your little smart ass friends. You know, the the yes. you alone wouldn't do it. But then the the idiots that you're best friends with, they're the ones that, that get you to, to do it. You know, the whole egging on the whole I dare you, I dog dare you, I triple dog dare you. And then there's that moment of like <gasps> the breach of etiquette, the, the dreaded triple dog dare. And, you know, and it's that so funny. <laughs> Breach of etiquette. Of, I love that. All, all kind of back and forth. So it's, you know, you you're like, oh man, I've been there. Of like the the friends egging you on, so now you have to do it, even if you're scared to do it. I love that. <laughs> yes, totally agree. For me, it's got to be the ho ho ho. <laughs> That's my favorite scene in that movie. Is Santa saying that? And, Pushing him down the, the slide with his boot. Cat. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. so funny. He was like so pumped, you know, to tell Santa his wish and just how incredibly unenthused and, you know, not excited Santa is. And then when he pushes him <laughs> down that slide, I laugh so hard every single time. <laughs> well, that scene has so many great, like, build up elements of just like, yes. there's like, you like, he like the whole like image of him as well, like climbing back up the slide and like just spew, spewing it all out as fast as he can, like the whole commercial spiel. And then like he just like stops big old wide eyed and then just like smile. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how like that scene, uh, they clearly went through so much trouble or, you know, this, the store did uh, to make it look so magical and so pretty. But then the, the people that work there, they just work there, you know, <laughs> you really get a sense for that retail burnout that they're experiencing. Um, and it's just, it's just lovely. 
Oh, yeah, the whole, like, <laughs> yeah, closing. <laughs> that and, like, they're snatching the kids. They're like, come on, kid. And they're just, like, dragging them and, like, throwing them in Santa's lap. And then Santa's like, get what you want, kid. And the kid's like, uh, something. And, like, get out of here. Ho, ho, ho. Like, it's just, you know, that, like, there's a million kids in this line. Speed it up. Let's go. And everyone's like, look, it's nine o'clock. I'm shutting this thing down because it's time to go home. So, <laughs> Either get in line or get out. And those those that one kid that's that's come on, kid, get in Santa's lap. I was like, oh my gosh, I've I couldn't do that job because I would be that person. I'd be like, kid, yeah. get it together, get in Santa's lap, let's go. I also I also just love the whole like moment of like, well, Randy gets in his lap before him, and Randy just immediately starts screaming and crying, and then there's like, okay, we're done here. <laughs> Poor Randy. Poor Randy. <laughs> What's another good scene that y'all like from the movie? I also kind of personally love the flashback moments. Like, yes. <laughs> the, when he's blind, because like, I was that kid where like, I'll show him one day. And like, like he's, he's gone <laughs> blind and his parents are just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that, and then also when he's the Lone Ranger, or what's the name of the guy? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember remember the name of it. What what he's... Somebody. Or if he's the guy with the Red Rider at that point. Yeah. Red Rider. But he has that fantasy about taking those uh, burglars down, and they're all wearing, like, the standard burglar outfit and everything, and... (laughs) I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, I, I think another one of my favorite scenes, and I think it's a lot of people's favorite scenes, it's the leg lamp, like the delivery, the unpacking, <laughs> you know, because the dad's already kind of come home. Oh my God, a major award. What is it? Is it a bowling alley? And the mom's like, how are they going to deliver you a bowling alley? He's like, I don't know. Maybe they'll deliver the deed or something. So he's having this moment of trying to guess what this award is. And then the box shows up. And like the first thing out of his mouth is like, what is it? And the guy's like, I don't know. I'm just delivering the box. And, you know, they, they finally get it in the house. And he's so excited that he can't even think of the word fragile. And so it's fragile must be Italian, which is the epitome of every dad joke that's ever been told. You will never find yes. that is the boss dad joke. There will never be another boss dad joke. That is the kingpin of dad jokes. And for sure, you know, fragile must be Italian. And the wife just is like, um, that says fragile, dear. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I knew that. And, you know, just that that moment of him opening the box and then the the stuffing comes flying out and, and you as the, you know, the audience, you don't know what it is either. So that moment of anticipation. And then he pulls out that damn leg and he's like, <laughs> it's, it's a leg. <laughs> and they all have a moment of just looking at it. Like, why is there a leg in a box? And then Ralphie, of course, grabs it because, you know, all of a sudden he's a 12-year-old boy that's discovering that his body is changing. And, of course, he instantly reaches <laughs> up and, like, grabs this little butt cheek that's on it. And it's so funny because he just, like, goes right, like, he goes up the leg and, like, right to the butt cheek. And I don't think that they told them exactly what the leg lamp was going to look like so the mom i can't remember what her name is belinda something or melinda something um 
shame on me. She that's her actual reaction to Peter Billingsley is like, no, don't touch it. Put your hand down. Like <laughs> she's like, this is getting scandalous. <laughs> yeah, that was not like that wasn't a oh, it's in the script for you to swat your hand your son's hand away. That was her like, okay, you're a twelve year old kid. I don't care. We're on film. <laughs> Put get your hand off the legs ass. <laughs> Yes, I think both Melinda Dillon, who plays the mom, and Darren McGavin are awesome parents, and they just both are great in their roles, but this lamp scene was really funny as a kid, and for some reason, it's even funnier as an adult, I think just because I'm even more aware of how hideous this lamp is. <laughs> like, how absurd that would be, and how you know this is going to become, like, a problem in their marriage of when he's going to throw this away. <laughs> it's like not gonna be she's not gonna put up with that for too much long for too much longer and and yeah the fact that the kids it's become like this scandalous focal point for everybody just makes it funnier mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah leg lamp leg lamp scene is it will ever will always and ever be one of my absolute favorite scenes because mm-hmm. it's just so layered in all of that just wonderful comedy of of, of, of everything of the dad the mom ralphie randy the delivery guy even he's like he's so funny in that scene it's just it's perfect <laughs> i like the scene too where they're eating uh they eat like the same meal in every scene that was another thing that i read yeah. too like they eat meatloaf like every day and i guess maybe that's just you know him remembering as a kid just not really loving everything his mom cooked but um maybe you know a nostalgic version of what happened and not really <laughs> she probably didn't really feed them that meal every day but um well is it is randy the one that like refuses to eat well he's got the whole <laughs> song too where he's like i hate meat loaf eat loaf beat loaf double beat loaf <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny how he has that line where he's like he's on like a hunger strike or whatever and he like refuses to eat because i was like I went through a phase when I think I was like four to six where I was that kid. Like we'd sit down for dinner and I'd be like, I'm not going to eat. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And my parents got so worried. They took me to a doctor. <laughs> they were like, She's not eating. And the doctor was like, she's just not hungry. Like she's just little and like, she's fine. Like they were like, trust me, she won't, she won't like, she'll eat if she's hungry. Yeah. And so they, they brought me back home very disappointed, but I had, I had caused a lot of problems at the dinner table, refusing to eat certain things like, you know, getting tired of chicken or something like that and only wanting to eat tasty snacks. Um, so that's so relatable to me that, that that's like kind of an unspoken thing. People don't always say that there's always one kid that won't eat. Oh yeah. I was, <laughs> I was definitely that kid and still am that kid sometimes. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to find another scene. I mean, we don't have to go through every scene in the movie, but <laughs> eventually, like we could. Yes. Um, something else that was pointed out when I was kind of researching this is that Ralphie believes in Santa, but he's got his own like unspoken rules about Santa because he cared a lot to tell Santa what he wanted at the store. However, he doesn't seem super interested in the Santa at the parade. Yeah. So I think that's another weird Santa thing where I guess kids, you know, we had to come up with our own rules because nobody sets those parameters. But he just decided, like, the mall Santa is the real Santa because I told him what I needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's, also, what's also interesting in that scene is, like, in the in the talking kind of 
flashback memory is he says, you know, oh, it's the same exact thing as last year. So there's also this kind of weird, like, I already told that Santa what I wanted last year. So I have to go tell the other Santa because he might get me the <laughs> same thing. Because that's kind of where my brain go goes to it. Because when I was little, you know, it, it, that's kind of almost how it worked. Well, I told you what I wanted. So now I have to tell someone else something else I want in fear that I'm going to get the same thing. And so maybe that's kind of where it's coming from. I mean, I'm just well, kind of going off of like the idea where he's like, it's the same as last year. I can't tell that Santa what I want. Cause it's the same Santa. I have to go tell a different Santa. <laughs> well, there's also that fun little moment that I, cause I was thinking about that same point you made Lisa about like, well, yeah, he didn't care about the parade Santa like at all. <laughs> and like watching it this year, like the, it kind of stood out a little bit more that like when they finally meet up with their parents after the ho, 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 the dad's like, well, did you tell Santa what you want? I was like, well, yeah, but I don't know. I was like, oh, he knows. He always knows. So dad's Santa, you guys. <laughs> Very true. And I think too, the character is at that age where he's like, I kind of don't believe it, but I also can't risk not getting the rifle. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play along because I need to get that gun um, however I can get it. So like, <laughs> I think part of it is like some self-deception. I mean, you know, when you, you really, really want this one present so bad, you're willing to, mm -hmm. to do that. <laughs> um, this, this has sort of become, I guess, a little bit of a tradition in my household. We didn't do it this year, but um, I always really love the scene where they end up at the Chinese restaurant mm -hmm. also. Um, possibly a little problematic today, but aside and, from that, <laughs> yeah. at least they're actually Asian actors. This is true. Well, that, you know, um, actually, her reaction to beating that duck is shocking, but I feel like people nowadays understand that duck is delicious, um, and decadent, so they should be very amped about it. <laughs> well, the, the um, only reason I think they were taken aback by the duck is just because of the head on the duck. This is true. Yeah. This is something that you do see in a lot of other markets. <laughs> but in American markets, we've really been censored from ever finding out that it used to be an animal. Yes. <laughs> um, because I've shown like similar horrifying imagery to coworkers before of, you know, meals that are like native to my culture. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking specifically of uh, we eat uh, cabrito, which is like young goat, which sounds strange, but it tastes great, um, but they like cook it by putting it on these sticks and like smoking it or roasting it for hours and hours and hours. But it looks, I mean, it looks like an animal um, on sticks. <laughs> and I remember showing it one time to a coworker at, at my old job and she was like horrified. And I, it's made me laugh because I'm like, you're so not used to seeing this ha 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 kind of thing. But yeah. I, I enjoy freaking people out. So I kind of, I think that maybe that's another reason why I like that scene, but also, like, we, uh, like, me and Nick and my dad, typically, our Christmas tradition was, like, he doesn't, I mean, he can cook and I can cook, but we, we just always did that. We would do Chinese takeout on mm, Christmas. Nice. Um, the rest of my family, like, cooks, like, a big meal. And we didn't do it this year, but, yeah, we usually drive around trying to find one that's open and, and do that. <laughs> so, I think we adopted that from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really great thing because I've heard that almost my entire life that a lot of people go out for 
Chinese food on the holiday. Like that's just like a big a big market even of like, oh yeah, Chinese restaurants they make a lot of money on Christmas, like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And I was like, what? I, when did I, I? I would not have you know me thinking about it because we're we're kind of rather traditional and like you know we're gonna have a ham or a turkey or a roast or whatever. But yeah, that's very interesting and this movie does kind of like shine light on it because i love even that moment of like we were introduced to the chinese what does he call it the chinese turkey yeah yeah the chinese <laughs> the chinese turkey you know of course and it's the duck and that's kind of almost this beloved christmas tradition for them so yeah it's very it's very interesting that that moment of that duck coming out from that kitchen with its face still on <laughs> smiling at yeah it. <laughs> I know in New York, uh, you know, Chinese takeout is a big thing for people that don't celebrate Christmas. Like if you're Jewish, you know, a lot of people do the Chinese food instead of cooking a big Christmas dinner. <laughs> and that's understandable, too. Um, but yeah, I, I also randomly pizza delivery is really big around the holidays. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're tired of, of your leftovers and you're like, OK, I'm just going to eat pizza. <laughs> So I have to say it. No one's talked about the pink nightmare yet. Oh, the pink nightmare. <laughs> uh, well, what I we were talking about this this year too. Like that aunt doesn't give Randy anything for Christmas that we know of. Oh no, poor Randy. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, really like gets the raw end of the stick all wrong end of the stick all the time. Yeah, Aunt Clara only cares about Ralphie being a four year old girl. She doesn't even like register Randy even exist. <laughs> it, and it could be like she still thinks like Ralphie is perpetually four years old. So in her mind, Randy hasn't been born yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's very hard. I will sympathize with the aunt a little bit. It can be hard to buy gifts for kids. You're trying to oh. guess what, especially if you don't have children, it becomes like a mystery. It's like, I don't know, all kids like Legos, right? Like, it's hard to, I, but I would not, you know, no little boy is going to want to wear no. that. I'm, Although now, probably, my, <laughs> because my, of the movie. My boyfriend's nephew, like, last year, I thought I, like, he's, he's still pretty young. So I thought, like, oh, I know, I got him, a, I thought I got him a winning gift last year. Like, he likes cars. He likes Nerf guns. I got him a gun that shoots cars. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, I'm going to win Christmas. This is going to be great. He opened it up. He's like, what's the point of this? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> You're like, well, what's the point of any toy? Right? <laughs> it's hard to tell as an adult. So he, he, I didn't even, like, attempt to buy him toys this year. I was like, you're getting gift cards, kid. Like, I'm not even going to have. That's what they want anyways. Yeah. I was like, I'm not having my heart broken again this year. <laughs> I, I remember the year that I got a gift that was not the right age. I think they were Princess Jasmine pajamas for my grandma. And I was super embarrassed how, when I my mom was like, you? put them on. Well, I, I feel like that movie came out when I was like eight. So maybe closer to Ralphie's age. <laughs> and one thing that always was a really big problem just personally as a kid was I was, you know, like I'm still like five foot one. So I was always little. So that also played into why my gifts ended up always seeming like they're for younger kids and I looked younger. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my mom made me put it on in front of her kind of like this <laughs> and she laughed at me because <laughs> it did look silly. I was like 12 years old and wearing it and I was like, tell grandma, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> 
It's like dramatic. <laughs> Stop sending me Princess Jasmine PJs. I feel like I'd wear them now, though, so I don't know why I was so dramatic then. <laughs> I, I, re- kinda cool. I remember the year I broke my mother's heart at Christmas. Like, I had gotten, I was in junior high, too, so I was like, ugh, mom, do better. So I was like, me, I wasn't, like, outwardly mean to her, but, like, I remember I got, because my favorite color is purple, she bought me a purple long-sleeved with a collar zip-up Joe Cool shirt. And I'm so cool. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, what is this? Like, I wanted stuff from the mall, and this was clearly something from like a 90s child's closet, you know? <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, Joe Cool is um, Snoopy, right? With, with, and his, with his alter ego. On. <laughs> it was yeah, like, it's oh, yeah. literally just him with sunglasses on and a shirt that says Joe Cool. Yeah, and it was it wasn't like a small Joe Cool. Like he was like taking up half of the shirt. Um, and so I was just like, where am I supposed to wear this? Like I can't be seen in public. <laughs> but I I didn't say any of that to my mom. But for like a class like busy work project, you were supposed to say like. What did you get for Christmas? And I remember for the class project writing, like, I got a lame shirt that I'm never going to wear. And then my mom checked my homework. No. (laughs) Oh, no. And from that, she still brings this up to the stage. She was like, I'm not buying clothes anymore. (laughs) It's hard to buy people clothes, if we're honest. (laughs) But she she still holds that grudge to this day. Man, you're reminding me of another incident where I got clothes, then they were way too big, and they were weird. And yeah, it's like I don't know. That's that's a problematic gift for children. You can't buy them clothes. I don't think because you never know what ties are going to be because they change so much, and you don't know what they like. <laughs> it's too hard. It's too hard, guys. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. But I love the pink nightmare. Like, I want a pink nightmare. I want one. Like, I would wear that bad boy everywhere. Like, (laughs) I love it. I'm like, Ralphie, why are you hating so much on that pink nightmare? It's adorable. The eyes are googly eyes, for crying out loud. (laughs) They're so cute. It's great. Yeah. I I will say they do get hot. I'm a four-year-old girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those Kigurumis, I mean, they're they're in now, oh, so yeah. you could get away with them today. Um, but they are hot. You can only wear them for a little bit. <laughs> I like the soap in the mouth scene, too. Oh. Like, where he says fudge, but he didn't really say fudge. Oh, yeah, the, oh, fudge. <laughs> Do you guys have any soap in the mouth incidences from your childhood? I, I remember yes, mom would I threaten it a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. One time one time I got in trouble and I, for for probably a myriad of reasons, um, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sweet and innocent. Um, and my mom tricked me into putting soap on my toothbrush and I brushed <laughs> my teeth with soap. Um, and it was pretty bad. It was bad. Um, but yeah, I I have I have had my mouth washed out with soap before. Only one time though. Like 
I don't want it to seem like my mother is like abusing me in any way, shape, or form. Definitely did not. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm sure it was well warranted. <laughs> I'm sure it was well. Yeah, I think my mom tried it once, but she couldn't commit to it. It gr- I think it grossed her out when I put the bar of soap in my mouth. She was like, "All right, I don't, I don't know." <laughs> Yeah, like I saw a, this on TV, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Luckily, it wasn't like a whole bar. It was just like putting soap on my toothbrush and then brushing my teeth with <laughs> soap. So it wasn't like full effect, you know, like sucking on a bar of soap, like a whole wad of soap in your mouth. But but yeah, I I remember I remember the soap on a toothbrush. I remember that. <laughs> I do remember a different time. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I do love that. Like Ralphie has like the soaps that he prefers. Yes, because it happens so often. (laughs) He's like, well, if it's got to be soap, this one, please. (laughs) Back back to like kind of like favorite lines and scenes like that whole scene has my favorite and it's not any of the main characters. It's when like (laughs) his his mom is like he blames it on Schwartz for like teaching him the bad language and stuff. And yeah, and his mom calls Schwartz's mom, and you just kind of hear her in the background. She's like, "Do you know where he learned that word?" And she goes, "Well, probably from his father." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the dad does curse sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and dads always get in trouble for that. So, I think another interesting fact about this movie that I think I forgot to read at the beginning when we were talking about them is that uh, this inspired The Wonder Years, Mm -hmm. which was a show that I grew up with and really enjoyed. And I never thought about how, you know, the voiceover stuff is really similar. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Knowing that, like, it all totally makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, for some of our younger listeners... You're probably more familiar with uh, Boy Meets World, which was Fred Savage's younger brother. So mm-hmm. they kind of kept it going. It's a little different, but yeah. I was like, oh, I really loved The Wonder Years when I was little. I loved The Wonder Years. I was kind of like a little too young to watch it, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> it had that same kind of feel like just like not only the voiceover by the adult self looking back, but like that sense of nostalgia for a time period but it was also kind of like grounded in realness mm-hmm. yeah and also in that one too I remember they kind of humanized the dad a lot because I think there's you know kind of a similar thing it's a different era but it's like a similar thing of like the dad being kind of a little bit colder and more distant and not as involved as the mom the mom like raises the children mm-hmm. but they always made sure to kind of sort of soften the dad a little bit and put in some like oh as an adult I realized like how much he loved me you know yeah and they kind of do that I think in this movie with uh his dad ultimately being the one that buys him the gift mm-hmm. <laughs> and just knowing like this is not like a fact but I just thought like well that's kind of a fun coincidence when I learned that about the Wonder Years tie-in like the voice of adult Kevin in Wonder Years is Daniel Stern, famously of the Wet Bandits in Home Alone, which also has Joe Pesci just constantly cursing throughout a child's film without actually cursing, like the dad in A Christmas Story. 
Very true. Very true. Something you don't even notice when you're a kid. And yes. As an adult, you're like, that's pretty masterful, especially for Joe Pesci, because I mean, Joe Pesci, the man loved to curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not but, not yeah. to get on the topic of another film, but one of my favorite things about Home Alone is that Joe Pesci created that bit of gibberish and like rehearsed yeah. it because <laughs> yes. he 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 didn't want to curse and he's like i'm gonna curse unless i figure out a way not to curse and so he trained himself on that like gibberish that he created for home alone <laughs> which i think is really like very lovely and sweet and also to show you how great of an actor joe pesci really is because for some reason mm-hmm. no one wants to put him in the pantheon of of great actors i'm like Y'all need to quit sleeping on Joe Pesci. He's great. Agree. Like, come on. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other scenes that we haven't touched on yet that are some favorites of y'all? I part of me being a kid that was picked on on occasion in school, the moment Ralphie lays into Scott Farkas just yes. kiss perfect. Like we all wanted to be <laughs> that kid. Very, very true. And I can relate to that as well. (laughs) Especially since I had glasses, like starting at age four. I think that's another reason why I really liked this kid. Because I was like, I always had glasses and that was always a problem even back then. (laughs) Yeah, just the whole like, just hit, like you getting on top of your, the person who's tormented you, who's driven you, like maddeningly, maddeningly insane, like for what feels to you like a lifetime, I'm sure. And <laughs> probably a year, but yeah, yeah it feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, just laying into this kid and everyone's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> and then, That's so good. And then the moment of, fe- because at heart, Ralphie is a good kid. The moment of fear that sets in when he's like, oh, my dad's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> I've gone too far. <laughs> but yeah, there's even that really lovely bit that comes from that of, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, kidding Scott Farkas, you know, hitting him all around and the mom's coming up, Ralphie, 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 you know, stop. And she, you know, she finally gets him to stop and they kind of have this moment where they lock eyes and you can just see him have that moment of, you know, really almost agonizingly apologizing to her without even saying anything mm-hmm. you know yeah. that moment that, he, that comes over his nature yeah because he's sweet he's sweet he's a sweet kid and he just kind of has that moment and like that's i think when they have the understanding of you know the mom's not going to end up telling the dad and kind of how that moment happens of i think the mom completely understands as well because let's be honest she's a you know a 19 a late 1930s 1940s housewife that has her own demons to want to beat people up but don't don't get to um we all sometimes (laughs) and so you know there's that really great moment of when ralphie just looks at her and they see it's almost like they see each other for the first time and you know he busts out crying and you know she doesn't yell at him she doesn't scold him you know she gets him in the house and she gets upstairs with him and puts the cold rag on his face and on his neck she's like just go lay down you know, she never has this moment of like, Ralphie, what were you doing? She never lays into him. She never, she never even asks him. She never asks like, what happened? She just has this moment of like, I don't need to know. You're right. Whatever yeah. happened, Ralphie, you're right. 
go lay down, chill out, cool down. And then, you know, even even Randy's like, oh my God, daddy's going to kill Ralphie. And she's like, no, he's not. <laughs> and she knows, because she knows what no, she's doing as well. You know, she's playing that, that so well of, you know, she brings it up. You know, he got into a fight today. Oh yeah, what happened? Oh, just, you know, boy stuff. And that's kind of it. And it's just really, really lovely that kind of moment. And and even then, you know, he ends that scene with, from then on, things were different between me and my mom. And that's one of Aww. the really beautiful things from that movie of, we then kind of also get a glimpse into what Ralphie's life was like after this movie. Like after we get done yeah. with seven days of, of this boy's life of Christmas of, you know, like what possibly could come next. And that's what I... I love that moment of like, yes, punch Scott Farkas in the face. And then that moment of being like drugged back to reality, but it still works out really beautifully in the, in the end. Yeah. She's such a good mom. You know, she's like, (laughs) she's, she's a good mom and um, she knows her kid. And so she knows Ralphie is a good kid. Um, and I think she's probably used to, you know, take that out of your mouth, stop doing that, put that down. Um, but in that moment, she kind of sees him, like you say, um, that, that she doesn't have to necessarily grill him about this. She needs to just give him a minute to breathe. And she kind of does that for Randy too, when he's like hiding under the The cupboard, (laughs) (laughs) which I feel like I did that a couple of times too. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) um but yeah that that is a really sweet moment between them well i think we got most of the major scenes already (laughs) yeah we could just recant the whole film you know (laughs) i know i mean it's also one of those things too i always say this when we cover a movie like this but when it's an hour and a half you're like oh uh uh-oh i'm done (laughs) like like but i mean it's a short movie i don't think a moment is wasted though so you know it's it's got a lot of great moments and so many good one-liners in the film um and yeah we probably won't quote them all uh but they're really good and you should definitely watch it uh oh yeah and i forgot to say too gene shepherd who wrote the novel and the screenplay is also the uh narrator mm-hmm. and i don't think i realized that when he's when also got a fun little cameo in the movie oh when uh, ralphie's in line at the mall to meet santa or the department store to meet santa um and the the guy in line is like kid there's a line here that's gene shepherd oh okay and then peter billingsley has a little cameo in Elf, which I never noticed before. Yeah, he's when he's very good friends with uh, John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Oh, okay, I, that makes sense. I had read that he apparently met Vince Vaughn back in the day where they both worked on an after-school special together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like now, he's you know more of a producer mm-hmm. than actor. He's acted in a few things, but oh yeah, it does make sense. He would know Favreau because it looks like he produced Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also has a small cameo in Iron Man as well he's like one of the technicians working on the 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 arc reactor at the like in the actual um 
I don't know, Stark's laboratory, where, wherever it is. You know, I act like I know what I'm talking about. I just watched this movie not that long ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's one of the one of the technicians working on the arc reactor um, in Iron Man as well. So I, I think he kind of ah. has this fun thing of like, I'll throw you some money to produce it, but give me a tiny bit of screen time. It'll yeah. be fun. John Favreau's like, sure, whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he's yeah. been in so many of those movies. The um, and he loves. I you can kind of tell Peter Billingsley loves to do that. Like the Vince Vaughn movie, The Breakup. I think he plays. Oh yeah. Uh, he's got a part in there as um, I can't remember if it's his brother or her brother in it with Jennifer Aniston. Like and he's just like, yeah, man, he messed up, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> also, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it. <laughs> also, supposedly. Um, I can't remember if he directed it or was just a producer on the the children's film um, Zathura, or the what is that? Oh, I think, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was like it was another kind of like kids movie with like children actors. Supposedly, there's a leg lamp hidden in that movie somewhere. <laughs> How funny! Well, I guess that kind of brings us to our last couple of questions for y'all. Uh, number one. If you had to summarize, why do you think you love this film? Why 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 does it warrant 24 hours of watching? <laughs> oh, um it's it's one of those things like uh, the jokes land every time and each with each watching like something stands out a little bit more than the previous watch even within like the same evening of watching it. Yeah, I agree. For, for me, it's the reality of it. You know, I grew up, we didn't really watch a whole lot of, like, Christmas movies. So, like, White Christmas, Miracle on, what is it, 34th Street? Like, I don't even know these movie titles. You know, they weren't, they weren't a big thing. And so, for me, this movie, having watched it, it, it felt more real than the other ones did. Because I didn't really watch those until I was an adult. And as an adult, I appreciate this one a little bit more. Not that those other ones aren't great, but I just love this because it feels so real. It feels like I can still empathize with Randy, with Ralphie, with these other kids. I still feel like it brings me back to my childhood, too, of like, oh, my gosh, been there, done that. Oh, my gosh, you know, where you're taunting each other even if it's not licking the flagpole but you're still you know on the playground taunting each other about something or having to face your bully that's being awful to you that anticipation waiting for that wonderful gift on Christmas hoping that you might get it that Santa Claus will bring that to you I think I love that movie so much because of just the reality factor even though there's not much of a plot when it comes to this film the story is so compelling. These people are so compelling that it makes it so wonderful to keep watching over and over and over again. Okay. My last question is, uh, how do you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before? <laughs> well, I, even though it's the opposite of everything Gene Shepard would have won, I was like, it's the perfect kind of Americana nostalgia. Like, it's Definitely. not glamorous. It's not, you know... I mean, but it has those elements of like, there's, there's whimsy, there's, you know, the glitter of the idea of the perfect Christmas present, you know, like if, especially um, people who, you know, aren't from America, if you want to understand like an American Christmas of a certain extent, watch this movie. 
Um, I say that also going in, like, there's a uh, Facebook group that Sam and I are on um, that's about weird secondhand finds from thrift stores. And people will just post, like, items that they found. And everyone loves to post their leg lamp items that they find. (laughs) And it's so funny that there are people who are in that group because it's an international group. Um, who have never seen a Christmas story, never even heard of it. And when people are posting it, they won't say, oh, I found... They're just like, look at what I found. Isn't this amazing? And I was like, what is that? What is that from? And everyone's constantly having to introduce and explain a Christmas story to people who aren't American. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Hmm, I had not thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, I think... I agree with you. I think I would say like this is a very nostalgic movie. I think it's surprisingly funny, as I said before, and I think the jokes still land, mm-hmm. so that definitely helps too. But yeah, whether it was intentional or not, it has become yeah a little slice of Americana, like you said, not a hundred percent romanticized, but but still you know nostalgic enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would I would tell someone like if you were ever a kid that you wished for that one special Christmas gift that you you can remember, like you were like, the thing I want, then if you can remember that Christmas, then you should watch this movie because it will give you all the feels about that. It really will. It'll, it'll bring you back to that time of when you wanted that that thing, that, that particular um, item that you wanted so bad for christmas and it does encapsulate encapsulates like you said the america american christmas the americana christmas of the hopes and dreams and wishes that you hope come true at the at christmas time absolutely well guys thank you so much for coming back on and talking about this movie this was super fun and it's it's just like a, a really fun movie to discuss i think almost everybody loves this one i i <laughs> i love it and i also for those who love it as much as i do i want to give a recommendation of something else to watch oh go ahead so as as you may have seen there are sequels i'm doing air quotes sequels of a, a christmas story that are not related to Bob Clark, Gene Shepard, anything like that. I don't recommend watching any of those. I do, however, recommend watching the true sequel to A Christmas Story, My Summer Story. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, it came out in 1994, and I love this movie. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but find it, watch it. It takes place the summer after A Christmas Story. Charles Grodin plays the father. Mary Steenburgen plays the mother, and Kieran Culkin is Ralphie. Kieran Culkin, wow. Yes, and okay. it's so good. Like, they, they go to the World's Fair in it. The whole thing is, like, Ralphie has to get, like, the the spinning top to beat to play against these kids. Like, that's the whole big thing is, like, I've got to get the best top so I can play this. And it's the mom has a bigger kind of story in it. You get more of the town and everything. Like, we actually see the bumpuses in my summer story like the famed like hound clad family of just what are quote unquote white trash people who live next door um but you see these hillbilly bumpkins that are the bumpuses and i it's such a funny movie and if you get a chance if you love a christmas story i highly recommend the true sequel my summer story okay we'll have to check that out (laughs) 
Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Oh, it's also got Mary Steenburgen in it. Yes. That's kind of cool. <laughs> okay, I was looking at pictures. Well, it was so nice having y'all back, and I hope to, to have y'all again soon. You're going to have to pick another movie. We should finally do, is it Dracula 2000? 3000? Oh, you're close. It's Transylvania <laughs> 6 5000. Man, I just made up a different title. They should make that movie, too. <laughs> well awesome yeah we need to finally cover that one too for sure absolutely all right (laughs) y'all thank y'all so much thank you bye-bye listeners